Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Hey everybody, Chad Parsons here, and week 17 is in front of us. Man, what a busy weekend here and some surprise performances. Uh, this was one where kind of felt like whoever those those big boys that disappointed you in your lineups were, that is what you're going to chew on, remember the most. Uh, maybe some festivist uh, angst and uh, airing of the grievances, uh, but man, I'll, I'll tell you, when I went on to, and I don't do this until I finish watching all of the games and really uh, get a sense of, of my takes before seeing anything on, on social media regarding players, performances, outcomes, all of that. But when I went on and originally my, my foray, my journey onto Twitter or X began as Brock Purdy, let me see when his injury and he exited the game did not come back. I wanted to see, is that something that could affect week 17? Uh, is, you know, what is the situation there? So that is where my journey began. And the slander I found of Brock Purdy is a sham. I mean, this is what you get when you put, uh, when you put somebody that is just an average quarterback into the MVP discussion. This is what happens. You know, this he's a fraud. Um, all of this stuff. He has an all-star cast, and he's horrible. And this is just an example of how horrible, horrible he is. Four interceptions, uh, derailing the team. All this stuff, unbelievable. Like I don't even have a lot of inve- invested ties to this situation, other than saying I think Brock Purdy's really good, and I think Brock Purdy is one that has elevated so far beyond. I- his his status of entering the NFL and the early data points, we, we always say you want to see them do it again. And that's a, a pretty loaded statement because again, could be, you could say that every single week, but it was the, uh, you know, let's say the Amon Ross St. Brown factor or something like that, where you start to do it part of one season and you say, well, let's turn it around next season. This is a big, can you reaffirm your status that what we saw was not just some small sample sized reverberation in the universe of energy? And with Brock Purdy, he came out and I mean, again, until until this week, leader, I haven't checked the odds, but leader for MVP race. So that is reaffirming your status. And the longer I go with analysis, it's the reaction to quarterback interceptions is so graphic and in especially in fantasy terms it's overrated i would say in nfl terms it can easily be overrated as well we had the josh allen reverting back to his brief you know pre-breakout form and this is all the bad stuff and and all of this early in the season well that that ship has been righted and Brock Purdy this past week, four interceptions. It's graphic. If you box score scout, I understand you see zero touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, and they lost the game by multiple touchdowns. Yeah. You know, if I just read you that, I understand how some of the slander and reaction there is is a possibility. However, 
when I, you know, one thing, one thing when I'm taking notes and one thing in the film notes uh, podcast that, you know, if you listen, it is, you know, a lot of times going through and what is it really? Um, and Pro Football Focus does this as well because they track turnover worthy plays. So that is, you know, and, and it doesn't align with interceptions. You know, it's not, you know, some guys have zero interceptions and they had three, four, five turnover worthy plays uh, like Davis Mills this past week, zero interceptions, four turnover worthy plays. However, you can also get situations, and I mentioned, you know, with, with players that were that have been so so that's a fortunate player. But then you can also get a a lucky player. Yeah, you can get or unlucky player where someone has you know two, three, four interceptions, and it's like, well, they're not all on him. So the four interceptions. I mean, just to break this down, he had an end zone interception that, in my opinion, completely on him. Uh, and again, assigning blame, eh, we're not in those meetings. You know, we're, we don't know everything. But to get a sense of, did a guy fall down? Uh, you know, what are you reading? Was it just a great play to the defensive back? Just three shades. There's great play by defense. There is on the quarterback. And then there's, you know, the ball, the oblong ball is just uh, battering around in the universe. And that could have happened to any quarterback in that situation. They made the right read, right throw, and it ended up being an interception. So those those are the ones I specifically look out for. And he had one batted at the line of scrimmage. Okay, so that can happen to anybody. He's not trying to throw it at somebody's hand and saying, this is going to pop up and be an interception. Let's just go YOLO on this. So that's one of them. Then he had an interception that basically bounced off of George Kittle's chest into the air. So I don't think that's on him. He literally put it on the guy's frame and it ended up popping up and being an interception. Later, interception, he was hit as he was thrown. Ball came out wobbly like did he throw it you know almost throwing it like a knuckle and it goes wobbling about certainly i'm sure it was feet off from where it was supposed to be vertically or horizontally and it gets intercepted that's three of the four interceptions so what are we talking about here and pff actually has him at two turnover worthy plays and again it doesn't have to mean that it's two of these four plays (laughs) so i mean he had the, the one where he threw over his over his head towards Christian McCaffrey as he was going down. Yeah, that's that's probably a high risk play uh, with minimal upside and a lot of downside. I'm not saying that that is the one play. You know, I'm not into that charting uh, into that charting space for PFF. But again, I, I just I keep thinking about how this game was razor close. The the Ravens got a field goal right before the half to make it 16 to 12. So it was 13 12. And then, you know, Purdy had that hit as he was thrown, throwing interception, uh, you know, to, to change that game, uh, to change the game. And he, I, I just, it really bothers me that, that there's this big divide of just, in my opinion, laziness of not describing what's actually happening here. So Brock Purdy, bring on the hate. Uh, I think he's in a great situation. The more, uh, the more I chew on this, the 49ers don't have to make a decision with him at all in any capacity until after the 2024 season. So what are they going to find that's better than Brock Purdy? They brought in a, a former number three pick in Sam Sam Darnold. Excuse me for thinking that's a massive downgrade from uh, from Brock Purdy. Uh, he's got he's loaded with weapons around him that are not changing. Like we, the, the the graphic change here. Who is leaving this team? And in terms of paramount decisions with huge ramifications, salary cap wise, going next year, uh, Christian McCaffrey, 
not going anywhere under contract at a for 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 his talent level and his workhorse nature a very reasonable number uh you've got debo samuel probably a restructure candidate at best but he's not going anywhere brandon Ayuk, last year of his rookie deal uh there in 2024 uh with that that fifth year option there uh george kittle not going anywhere like i so trent williams explodes in salary but you know what best in the game probably worth it so they're gonna have some some bills to pay. I understand this, but uh, I don't think they're going to compromise in the names that I just said. And so Brock Purdy surrounded by the all-stars and nothing's really going to happen. They're going to have a late draft position. I, I don't see how Brock Purdy is not the starter next year. He is doing unequivocally well this season and he was doing well. He, he's doing better this season than he was last season by many measures. So what is changing? And when you look at all the quarterbacks in the dynasty marketplace that could be changing, I, I don't know what we're talking about here. And I hope, I hope the dynasty market is one that, I mean, I was discussing, I believe with Jordan or somebody else uh, a week or two ago, that if, if Brock Purdy is available in like the later second round of a startup draft, when you're talking about beyond the other names, it's such an easy button to press when you say, well, I've missed. And this is something that we'll talk granularly about more as we get into January. But when you talk about building from the ground up in a team building standpoint, that you have to think of all these scenarios. Plan A is not sitting at 210 and drafting Brock Purdy or 207 or wherever he ends up kind of settling. I think it'll probably be mid to late second if I had to take I guess there. And that's not your 1.0 plan. Your 1.0 plan is to bludgeon people with higher options in the hierarchy uh, in terms of durable assets for the long term. That's going to be Justin Herbert. That's going to be uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes sliding. I know it's like a, such a graphic statement to say that. But you have you have possibilities to get Allen and Mahomes. You have possibilities to get Herbert uh, worst case. You know, you have possibilities to get Dak Prescott maybe in the early second round. Still, <laughs> oh, God forbid he hit 30 years old. You have all these as avenues. We'll see about Brock Purdy, where he settles. But I think that he's one that should not be getting hate. I think that there's a lot of concern with quarterbacks around him in the same cost. And when you look at security of saying, we don't know what's going to happen 14, 15, 16 months from now, where they lost a game. Oh, Brock Purdy had four interceptions and three of them weren't his fault. Are we saying this if, I mean, I guess we were with Josh Allen throwing interceptions earlier in the season, turning the ball over. I, I just, it feels like Brock Purdy has zero window. This is kind of like, I was thinking of two or three different parallels, but one could be if you have you know, let, let's say you're a very protective, you know, the stereotypical, we've seen tons of movies on this, you know, dad, that no one is good enough to date my daughter. And then so if a guy comes in, and, and we've seen this storyline in movies before where they can't do anything right. Like, hey, sir, I'd like to marry your daughter. I love your daughter, you know, and all these things. And so he goes into uh, private eye mode uh, and says, I'm going to dig up anything I can, you know, something you lied about, something, you know, that, that, that she may not like, oh, you were in juvie when you were 12 years old. Like just, I'm looking for anything, any discrepancy 
And then I'm just going to pound you into oblivion because you were not completely honest about every single thing in your entire life with me, with others, with her, whatever. And that that is supposed to dissipate the entire relationship and mean that you're not perfect and basically no one's worthy. And I feel like Brock Purdy, because he's coming from the low pedigree he is, because he doesn't have a howitzer, because he doesn't run like Jalen Hurts, um, because, uh, again, he didn't come from a factory like Ohio State or one of these huge programs in college. You put all this together and he can't possibly live up to expectations. And that's why I want to see him win the Super Bowl, because I want to see what happens then. Because keep in mind, I mean, we had first round picks, guys like Eli Manning, guys like uh, Joe Flacco that were constantly banged down and say, you're not elite. You just aren't. And even when they won a Super Bowl, you're not. You are not those guys. And and Brock Purdy, I feel like, will have to deal with that label. Again, we don't know how this affects him or doesn't affect him or whatever, how he silos his, his thought process. But I just think he's fascinating, um, almost in a hukunakua, but even more extreme sort of fashion of, look what he's doing so early on. And yet there's going to be unequivocal deniers all along the way because of this built these built-in residuals and barriers that are brought up because we want our stud quarterbacks or our stud wide receivers or insert uh, profiles a certain way. We want them to look a certain way and Brock Purdy does not. And, and it's really, you know, as I'm going through and, you know, with on Dynasty Think Tank, plus my own uh, premium stuff and shows I put out with Tim Torch. I mean, so this time of year, you can pretty much make a giant laundry list of topics, players, and, and positions for content over, you know, to kind of jumpstart the off season because we're basically there. We're a few days away and then titles are going to be handed out, third place games, and we're going to be done. You're going to have final draft position for all of your leagues. At some point, trading will open back up. And a few weeks from now, maybe you're thinking about a startup draft. You're thinking about uh, dynasty trades when trades are back open in, in some cross-section of your portfolio. But there's so many topics that I think one of the big things is what can we learn? And looking, uh, you almost need to make a list, like a back of a napkin uh, set of rules and guidelines for saying, here's how outliers occur. And to me, that's one of the more fascinating things I'm putting on the list is what can we learn from Brock Purdy? What can we learn from say, Puka Nakua or Kieran Williams, or uh, again, insert five, six, seven other players. Um, because looking at this again, I mean, it, Jalen Hurts is an, an outlier. When you think of the, the quarterback situation where he had Carson Wentz ahead of him, he was not a first round pick. He goes in that situation. He was widely available in say the late second round of rookie drafts. Uh, so that doesn't fit uh, a lot of these other guys like Allen, Mahomes, even Lamar Jackson. So he was to a lesser extent of Jalen Hurts, you know, going behind a already entrenched starter. But I think that's, I, I've said before, I think waiting and I think not playing right away. Uh, another one would be Jordan Love. I think that's a good thing. And I think it shows A, a smart franchise, B, one that is finding value with players outside of the typical zone. I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't even, you know, top five, top eight pick. So he still had to wait his time when Alex Smith was playing some of the best ball of his entire career. I think the best uh, ball with Andy Reid that one season uh, for Kansas City. And you just look at the guys that have to wait. Um, and 
I, I think it's going to be interesting with someone like Anthony Richardson. Now he had to wait because of injury and he only played a little bit, but could this possibly help him playing through versus not playing through? Um, so I think that's super instructive and important in future years of looking out for, you know, who drafts where you kind of look at the depth chart and you say, they don't really need anything. You could argue that with Pukunakua, that they drafted him. And again, he's a whole nother ball of wax and I'm not going to get into it because I'm still doing research on, you know, the lessons learned and what can we can look for in the future with Pukunakua. But um, you could look at that and say, well, they have Cooper Cup, one of the best wide receivers on the planet. They have two round two picks in Bain Jefferson and Tutu Atwell. And it's like, well, why would they need a wide receiver? And that's always the fascinating part. Like, why why would they? Well, you can say that they don't. But after watching this year in retrospect, they certainly did need wide receiver. Van Jefferson, gone. Puk, uh, Tutu Atwell, provided a little something, but not enough. Cooper Cup, missed some time, came back, in my opinion, playing hurt uh, more of the season than he would admit, or we will know until maybe some distant point in the future of off-season news dump, news dumping, or we find out like in August, it's like Cooper Cup looks really good. Man, back to his old self. You wouldn't believe, you know, he was playing hurt most of the year. Like you're going to hear some random blurb in August like that. And so with all that going on, yeah, they needed him. So the the idea that you're deep at a, a spot, and I think that's instructive for Dynasty as well, because we'd always talk about taking the best player. And so this idea that you need running back or you need quarterback or you need tight end or whatever, and you're going to like force it, can't force it, can't force it because your team needs good players. I mean, honestly, if I had 10 taglines that it's basic, but it's very important to carry along with you in your Dynasty information satchel, it's your team needs good players regardless of position. The one place it gets tricky, I would say, is if you have two, three, four strong quarterbacks and a start one, that it can be cumbersome to, to hold them and it can be cumbersome to try to trade them for any uh, level of value. So that would be one of my biggest, that's probably the lone area that you could say there's an exception to the rule. Otherwise, because if you sit there, you know, and they're like, well, I got Mahomes and you, you know, I got uh, Jalen Hurts. He was the best player on the board. So I drafted him. And then you say, well, now I have uh, CJ Stroud. He was the best player on the board. Um, I drafted Anthony Richardson. He was the best. like, there, there is an end point to saying, well, now you're just hurting yourself in a start one. Now, super flex, that doesn't really exist. And I, I could argue any of the other positions, pretty much regardless of format, there's no limit, no limit to the, just get the best guys. Now, trading is where you end up maneuvering and rebalancing, as I like to call it. You know, if you draft a bunch of running backs at, you know, you look for points to trade running back for wide receiver. I said that that was one of my themes of trading this year in 2023, in addition to a couple other themes. But one theme was trading running back for wide receiver, where I had previously stacked at, at, at running back and you rebalance. But the addition of one quality wide receiver when you're light or when you're looking to build up depth because you had depth, had or have depth elsewhere is one of the biggest keys uh, is, is not just sitting there and saying, well, I'm in a corner of the market and I need all these guys where you do need to rebounds. You do need to affect your lineup in a positive way. And I think getting one of those stable wide receiver profiles is one of the best ways to do it. So trading, running, trading from running back, trading from a strength to a weakness, that's where 
the the trading really takes hold with power. It's either getting players that obviously you had no access to uh, typically in rookie drafts or uh, the startup draft might have been years ago. Uh, there's a lot of dynamics there. And then the other thing is rebalancing. And those are two critical elements where you could use the help of your league mates. And we're kind of getting back to trading season because the faucet of dynasty trading has largely been shut off. One other quarterback I want to mention is Sam Howell. And he's another one that you look at the lack of pedigree and your window. You know, you don't get the quite a bit of allegiance of Josh Allen's or Justin Herbert's or uh, those types that if you go through a down stretch, this is a critical year for him. I started out as a box score stuffer positively, a little bit of negative as well. I mean, you're talking about someone that's had plenty of high turnover worthy play games in the, in the year. And that qualifies even in the first half when Howell was running around strong volume uh, and throwing a bunch of touchdown passes as well. But you look at the past five games and he's got four big time throws versus eight turnover worthy plays. And when you don't have strong pedigree, your leash is very short. And this is not, you know, a Brock Purdy one off and look at these turnover types games. This is Sam Howell making bad decisions. And this is over the sample size of four or five weeks. And they have Jacoby Brissett behind them. And they're going to have a high first round pick. And you have a lack of pedigree. And you were basically in a tryout season. So everything is arguably different. So he's creeping back to the NFL Mendoza line in terms of that big time throw ratio that I discussed, uh, and it aligns with what he's doing with interceptions. See, that's the other thing. It's concerning from both fronts. And I think that's where when you get both boxes checked, that's where you have to have high concern. And we've had two games in a row where Jacoby Brissett has come in and arguably saved the day, if you will, or come in and shown positive results. He's a veteran. And he has a stabilizing element to his game when you compare it to Sam Howell. So these are all the all the situations at play with Sam Howell. And he is still in the marketplace going far too high for my taste. Uh, he is still in the QB 20 or so zone, which is baffling uh, because he would be the type that you would say is running out of time. Washington has avenues to simply and easily fix or address the position in a way that Sam Howell is now fighting for scraps. It's, you know, like you would go into uh, preseason and say, it's not Sam Howell's job to lose. It's Sam Howell's job to fight for. And if anything, the edge might be for that high first round pick that they are drafting because they have avenues to have a high first round pick. Uh, and they're on, on a pathway with two games to go to have that. Uh, and that's why Sam Howell, when you say that he's above Baker Mayfield, when you say he's above Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins or even Geno Smith or even Aaron Rodgers, all of those guys are way better bets to start next year. They're way better bets to even start in 2025 than Sam Howell. And so this allure of the younger quarterback, especially one at such a fragile state and, and such a moment in time for Sam Howell that he could easily with, again, being a day three pick, and it's not just a day three pick, it's day three and you're eroding by the week with negative cataclysmic plays. And you're not supplying enough big moments. You're not Jameis Winston in terms of stuffing the box score. I mean, over five games, he's got two touchdown passes. Sam Howell has two touchdown passes in five weeks. That's a big enough sample size to say, you need to fix this. And they didn't exactly go up against a murderer's row over that span. That includes the Giants. Um, you know, he had a, a, a down game, you know, against the Giants. 
Uh, that was five weeks ago. Uh, you know, the Jets are not exactly a murderer's row this past week. He got yanked. Uh, Rams, they don't even have any home field advantage. Uh, Dolphins, and that was at home. Again, this is not a murderer's row of, of opponents and yet really, really struggling. So again, I, I think these are the types of great angles. Why? I'm a proponent of you get a data point. You, you have a startup draft in January because the residuals from the previous year and season are still so fresh. We still have NFL playoffs going on at that time. And so that is a perfect time to really exploit the market of player value without as much as uh, without as much data because when you, when you get into say like june i'm gonna do a june 7th startup draft that sounds terrific but everyone is so anchored in that it, it's a little more cookie cutter i'm not gonna say that's bad because obviously if you have access to what is likely to happen you can exploit it so there's good qualities to that but i think the lord of the flies getting road uh, rogue picks uh, based on profiles, based on uh, recency, and, and based on uh, some of these short-term oscillations before resetting and kind of taking a breath to scrub these profiles in the offseason, that's where the, the power of an early offseason startup draft can really take hold. This week on the premium side of UTH, hey, if you want to support the show, go over to patreon.com slash UTH. You can sign up. We've got a VIP chat room for all pro tier and higher. And talking about trading, talking about recalibrating, when I'm doing projects, guess where I'm putting the notes in? Guess where I'm giving everybody a sneak peek, getting them more information, more more uh, commentary on what I'm doing? That's where I go first. When I'm updating uh, and scrubbing for the off season here for all those uh all those skill position dynasty rankings that are going up on the site they pretty much after week 17 hits. So next Monday, Tuesday, I will be in a cave in a bunker probably all week here, uh, in terms of producing content, but also getting everything turned over for the off season in 2024. I've been doing that along the way, but it's bits and pieces to be fair. I, you know, one man and don't have um, as much time in the weekly machinery of the regular season for four months to do enough players, enough weeks, and things change. So a guy that I scrubbed uh, mid-October because he was on a divergent positive or negative track based on where he was previously, it's time, uh, you know, I, I don't have time to rescrub that, you know, all 200 and something players on a on a weekly or monthly basis. So that's one thing, a huge project and undertaking that I can't wait to start. The second part is getting the projection model for the skill positions with prospects. That's secondary. We do veterans first, get all ready for the offseason. And then by mid-January, it's going to be having the, the 1.0 big board ready when the declaration deadline has come and gone for college players. Because again, the transfer transfer portal and you know getting paid, staying back in school, uh, there is so much Lord of the Flies chaos going on that... I used to have a big board ready by like early January. And again, I don't want to be yanking players in and out uh, with declarations. I want to have a little more firm view of what the player pool is before getting out the, the 1.0 big board. So that's step two 
And obviously, you know, the trade calculator and all those things go, correspond with the veterans. Did want to mention that we're already sort of taking a, a stock of where we are. Uh, premium shows on Patreon, like I mentioned with Tim Torch. Uh, this week, for example, we're finishing last year. Last week, we did our top three disappointing offenses uh, and teams fantasy-wise from this coming year, uh, from this past year. And now this week, we're going to do top three surprising teams. Uh, what kind of, what were we not expecting going through those teams in depth this week? Um, and also, we're going to be doing a State of the Union pretty much every position uh, for the next month. We're going to start with quarterback here. So I'll try not to mention Brock Purdy, <laughs> but it might be hard. Uh, and, and Tim will be going through the, the position. We'll talk about future casting for startup drafts and trading this offseason, as well as what we just saw over the course of four plus months. I wanted to give a shout out to the UCH best ball contest coming to the home stretch. We got two weeks left and it is getting razor tight here. Uh, shout out to Jeremy Anderson taking down the contest with a quality score in week 16. He had a big game out of Derek Carr. Uh, there's been some, there's also been some big down games and he is light enough at quarterback that he lost to Anthony Richardson and he's got the Washington committee of Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. So fortunate for Jeremy Anderson that uh, Jacoby Brissett had a touchdown, had a strong finish to the game because Sam Howell actually was a negative in terms of the scoring in this contest. He hit uh, big on George Pickens this week. Puka Nakua hit for the whole season. Amari Cooper 50 plus. Uh, that's going to gain you a lot of marks in the contest, as well as all your fantasy semifinal matchups this past week. Uh, so got the perfect storm there. And again, really rode uh, those three studs at wide receiver. Got a good game out of Derek Carr, and boom, there you go, number one finish on the year, uh, on the season. Excuse me, on the year. Uh, this is razor tight. I don't know if we've had one quite this tight, and I'm involved. Tim C has been leading this contest for quite some time. He is only up by one point, actually 0.6 points. Uh, I'm in second, uh, and I would say it falls back about 50 points to Chris in third place. Julie is right there uh, within spitting distance as well uh, in fourth. And Jamie, uh, Jamie Paulos, he is uh, about 80 points back in fifth. So uh, again, maybe it's Kevin Riley in sixth, uh, but that's you know, 90 points or so in two weeks, that would be it. I would say there's six people with a chance to take down this contest. I've never won it. Uh, I've come close. I think Katie beat me. I was in the top five and she ended up winning it uh, one one year. But uh, I am representing the uh, the alum, if you will, or the, uh, the experts of the contest. But Tim C has been a tough one to crack. However, it is razor tight. And basically between the two of us, who has the best two weeks is going to win this contest coming down to it. So uh, again, Tim C, uh, we'll see. I'm coming for you. I've been gaining ground. I gained some 20, 30 points this week, but now it's game on for the last two weeks in terms of the push. So thank you so much to all the super fans that that join on a on an annual basis. It's a way for me to give back and uh, provide some prizes, provide some uh if you haven't played salary cap and you know you build the team, you set it and forget it, uh, it's a fun way to really assess where you are on players in August and early September. And then uh, you just kind of see and wake up uh, with these bigger rosters, you know, 20 something, maybe 30 plus players, depending on how you build it. Uh, and you wake up in December, January to kind of see uh, how you did for the year. And there's a lot of oblong bounces with injuries and poor play and all that, and you can't replace them. So again, fun stuff and shout out to the top five, six on the board as we go through the final couple of weeks there. And one more reminder about content coming out, the UTH Premium Podcast feed, 468 episodes this year so far, 
only a week ago, week to go. So not going to get to Mount 500. I thought I, you know, about six weeks ago, I thought I had a chance for that, but who knows some of these micro shows that I end up producing there when I'm updating the, the, the modeling and everything that goes into the UTH player value universe and, Maybe I'll get into the 480s. That's a possibility. But uh, again, it's not about the volume. It's more about creating chapters. I've said before that an audio, uh, a podcast channel is almost like an audio book. And I think we need, instead of having these long drawn one hour, two hour shows, it needs to be a little more bite-sized. Here's a seven minute show. Here's a 20 minute show. You know, try to cut the hose off. And the one thing I don't really is the film notes show uh, because the main show this week, uh, doing a lot more, retrospective and and future where are we going with this uh what what are some themes as we finish out the season so ended up being over an hour for the main show which would be the sunday slate this week it was another half hour for the three games on christmas day it was 20 minutes for the saturday games it was uh, 14 minutes for the ram saints game which seems like two years ago way back on thursday so uh, that's one thing where i uh, make an exception is those shows or uh, there was a 50 minute show on uh, where we looked back at, at one, just one of our leagues, a dynasty trading retrospective with Ryan Morgan uh, last week, that was about 50 minutes. So highly encourage you to listen to that. And we still got another one or two episodes of the running back roundup uh, that, that I produce on a weekly basis, talking about all 32 NFL depth charts, but we're getting to the end of the line. It is periodic in the off season at major points like free agency after the NFL draft uh, and a few other points. And then we go firm, you know, it's late uh, mid to later August and it's every single week you know, talking about these depth cards and weekly in season, uh, one of the best shows, in my opinion, to consume. It really has an effect on the back end of your roster. We talk about dynasty trading and, and all of that. So running back roundup is one that I would shout out as highly instructive and valuable as well as the film notes, because I take the time, watch every play of every game and distill it down. Uh, and Brock Purdy earlier in this show is just one example of, you know, watching the games, breaking it down. Uh, you have a, in my opinion, you have a different viewpoint than if you are just reacting to highlights, lowlights, and some of the box score, uh, box score title waving that that can affect maybe the 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 dialogue and drumbeat about players positively or negatively. Um, so I would I would shout out to that. But we're gonna get back to I'll probably do a startup draft series uh, to begin the year uh, for perfect startup draft and and talking about each position. I mentioned Tim Torch and I are gonna talk about every position over the next month as well on the premium side uh, on Patreon. And again. Thank you so much. You know, we talk about it at Thanksgiving, but the season is wrapping up. Uh, I, I love hearing the messages. I've already gotten plenty of them with people talking about their portfolios and their dynasty leagues and how they're doing this year. Uh, in the VIP chat room with best dynasty owners on the planet, in my opinion, and it's a uh, it's one where I uh, love to get the emails over the next seven to seven to fourteen days with uh, how your season uh, has gone uh, here in 2023. But uh, thank you so much, uh, the listenership, as well as just the, I, I say I view this venture, um, and I did when I started the pod, this this podcast in 2011, I've never missed one week, uh, sick, uh, whether, you know, whatever trials and tribulations in life are going on, haven't missed pressing record, and it's way easier today than, than 10 plus years ago in terms of the technology involved, so I'm super thankful for that, but thank you to the listenership, uh, it really means a lot to me that 
if you sit here and you have uh, 27 listens and you you aren't growing, and I see podcast you know threads or message boards that discuss that very thing, and I'm so fortunate to not be in that situation, but that that is where it really is tough, and you have to do it for the love of the game only. Uh, so if you have more incentive and more backing and more uh, more following and more positivity in your listenership, uh, it makes it a lot easier to to come to come to work, uh, come to play, which is what we probably should call it, and 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 produce content because there is a listenership there um, that first of all you view it as valuable to produce it. Second of all, uh, that there's value uh, in the the feedback you receive and the listenership numbers that uh, that they are receiving that information and find that valuable as well. So just wanted to from the creator side say thank you. Um, it's been a great 2023 and uh, the. This next weekly show. Wow. I mean, time flies. It'll be already in 2024 and officially in off season mode. Still some premium shows to go this week, but like I mentioned, uh, thank you so much for this this uh, free uh, weekly show that's been going on since 2011. Uh, the Kyle Rudolph uh, young days of banana hands and and all those things. I still can picture myself in the room that I started recording this show. Uh, 12, uh, yeah, 12, 12 years and one month ago. <laughs> so it's been quite some time uh, along this journey and it never gets old. Uh, I think there's always something to learn and Dynasty is always evolving and changing, which I find um, something that is, it takes a lot of work ethic because it evolves and changes so often. But the other part is I love the blend of long view, short view of things are changing. And then you also have to ask yourself, well, there's a, a lot of things that aren't changing, right? So I, I love the dichotomy of those two things. So thank you so much. Uh, and just know it's a two-way street uh, where uh, I get so many stories of people that they have the routine, you know, and of, of when it comes out, I listen, or I always listen when I'm uh, you know, driving to work, or I'm always listening when I'm walking the dog or doing errands or whatever it is. And it's that, that voice or that soundtrack to certain activities. I have them with certain songs, you know, that I kind of translate to certain time frames of my life. Or hey, I, I remember when I was always kind of doing this for this summer, and I heard this song a lot, you know, or I, uh, or this is the kind of this is the podcast I I listen to at this time of day or or this day of the week. Uh, so just know that uh, I can absolutely understand and relate to the the consumer and the consumer side of of content like this. So again, thank you so much. Uh, 2023 has been an unbelievable ride, and 2024 I feel like we, there's so many quality building blocks from some of the lessons that were discussed in depth strategy wise for dynasty trading and team building concepts that I can't wait to press the accelerator on, tweak it slightly. Um, but I believe 2024 with the early data points I have, and I can't wait to get into it, are going to be the most productive year ever. Because when you keep evolving, keep asking the right questions and keep doing research towards the, the right hypothesis and the right clarifying questions on how to get better, then you should look at yourself 12 months ago, 24 months ago, 36 months ago, and say, I wasn't, relatively speaking, I was an idiot. And if you can do that, it, part of it makes you feel like, well, what the heck was I doing before? But realize you were a successful dynasty owner and player before. So if you can improve, reiterate, and and and, and get better, then that only bodes well for you in the future because it's a journey and it's about the journey. There's no actual end point or stopping point. It's mainly a road that continues onward in a productive and upward trajectory. 
So thank you for being on that road with me. I am Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.